0: You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Amen, amen. Hey, let's continue in worship to the Lord right now. Just, I'm going to bow my knee before the Lord. Just bow in your own heart right now, and let's continue to praise the Lord together as we pray to him. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, we thank you that the name of Jesus is exalted and that we have seen his glory, that our eyes have been opened to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, we exalt the name of Jesus here today. We exalt his glorious name because he came, he lived a perfect life, he died the death that we deserved, and he rose again. And he's exalted right now at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, we pray, that today you would set our affection on your son, that you would help us to love you and to love your son more than we love anything else in this world. Father, as we've already sung this morning about your great love that reaches to us, oh Father, would you reveal your love to us this morning in a deeper way than what we understand it right now? God, would your presence flood this place this morning by your Holy Spirit? Would you move on our hearts, move in our lives this morning, Lord? Help us to know that we are your children, loved by you with an everlasting love that does not give up, that will never run out, that will never run dry. Oh, Lord, come and meet us in this way this morning, Lord. Above anything else, we need your presence. So, Lord, come and meet us in the name of Jesus. According to his authority, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. Good morning, church. Here we go. Hey, if you've got a Bible with you this morning, why don't you go ahead and open it up to uh, 1 John. 1 John. And if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, just put your hand up. Our ushers are coming down the aisles with Bibles. They're ready to go. And there they are. Just put your hand up. We'd love to get a copy of God's Word in your hand this morning. And today what we're going to be doing is, is we've been in a series called On Mission from the book of Acts. And we have been following the early church as they've gone out after the resurrection of Jesus and lived lives on mission for the glory of God for the purpose of getting the gospel to the whole world. And so over the last several weeks, uh, Pastor Darrell has been calling us, each one of us, from God's word to live a life on mission for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so today what we're gonna do is we're gonna step back from that series in a way, and we're gonna really take a look at the motivation for our mission. Why do we live on mission? Why would we pour out our lives for God, for Jesus Christ? Why would we do that? What is the motivation for the mission? That's our main question this morning. What motivated the early church? What motivated the great gospel ministries of men like George Whitfield, Hudson Taylor, D.L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon? What motivated these people? Let me answer that question just in three words. Three words. Right from our text this morning. Three words. God is love. If we get those words, if we grasp those words, not just in our heads but in our hearts and lives, that gives us a whole new motivation, a whole new purpose, a whole new direction and a new joy and spring in our step as we walk with Jesus Christ. And so my prayer, my heart's desire is that I would get so much more on such a deeper level, this amazing love of God that reaches to us when we don't deserve it that saves us where we are and draws us up to follow him and to live a life for his glory, empowered by his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer is that we would get that this morning in our hearts, that we would get that on a deep level, maybe as we never have before. Really, in one way or another, we all long to be loved, don't we? You look around the world today and you see a lot of crazy things happening. A lot of them are coming from a place of people longing to be loved and to be accepted. If if we look inward at ourselves, we'll see that same thing is there. I look at myself and to be honest, I I kind of get I get ticked off. I get ticked off when I don't feel like people appreciate me or value me or respect me the way I think I deserved to be appreciated, valued, and respected. Anybody else there? Anybody else ever feel that? Like This is church, we can be honest here, can't we? Okay, Okay, we're not gonna lie, are we? Am I the only one, am I the only one who feels like that? Like, okay, half of us, all right, okay. (laughs) Maybe we should change the sermon and talk about lying this morning instead. (laughs) Uh, So some of us feel that way, anyway. I feel that way, to be honest. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from a lot of places. It comes from pride, yes, but it also comes from a desire to be loved. But listen, the problem is not that I desire to be loved and accepted, the problem is that I seek to find my love and acceptance in totally the wrong place. I seek to find it on a human, horizontal level. I look for my acceptance often with people. And guess what? That is a broken cistern. It's an empty well that can't hold water. The more I look there, the more I'll be let down. Why? Because people will always fail me. And even if even if people appreciate me, love me, value me, and respect me in a way that I think I deserve, which is probably outrageous anyway, even if they do that, even if they do that, my love tank will still be empty. Why? Because God has put in each one of us a place, a place for his love that can only be filled with his love. And so this morning, this morning, we're gonna begin to, to climb the walls of a great <laughs> mountain of God's love. We're gonna take a glimpse this morning. Wow, we're not even gonna, we're not even gonna scratch the surface on God's love this morning, but, but I pray this morning that there will just be a little bit from God's word that, that speaks to us this morning as we look at the great, magnificent, awesome, amazing love that our God has for us. And so this morning, we're gonna be in 1 John and uh, we're going to be in uh, chapter 4, and we're going to look at one verse there. 1 John four sixteen. Let me just say one thing up front. Uh, This morning's message is a little bit different than most messages. Normally, we go through a long passage of Scripture. This morning, we're going to look at one verse, and we're going to go to a lot of other places in the Bible. Now, if you're a person that likes to take notes, that's great. I'm going to recommend this morning that when you're taking notes, maybe you just write down the verse references, because they're going to be flying up on the screens pretty fast, okay? And we don't want you to get lost, so maybe just jot down the reference instead of trying to write the whole thing out. And so this morning's message is really a topical message where we begin to look At the big picture of God's love for us as it's revealed in the Bible. Are we ready? All right. Okay. One person. Good. All right. Here we go. So, John, John chapter 4, verse 16. Amazing verse. Amazing verse that points to God's love. And John, in, in the, the letter of love, that's really what 1 John is known for. It's known to be the letter of love. After he's just given one of the greatest, the greatest discourses on God's love in all of Scripture, he says this. I love this verse. This verse gets me fired up. I love it. It says this. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. First of all, we've got to notice this in this verse. Notice right at the beginning, plain and simple, knowing isn't the same as believing. Knowing isn't the same as believing. And so in a way, I I, I fear sometimes that, that we can know a lot about God's love and really not have a sense of it in our own lives and hearts. We can know a lot of the facts, we can know a lot of the things, and we can say, yes, yes, God is love, but have no sense of it in our daily lives. Knowing isn't the same as believing. For example, just last week, I was having a a little, one of those uh, fatherly chats with one of my sons, okay? I'm not going to say which one, um, but I was having a little talk, and this was uh, after he had been exceptionally disobedient for an extended period of time. And uh, so it was one of those discipleship uh, slash discipline moments, okay? And so we're having this little talk and I said, hey son, you you can't keep doing this. You can't keep acting in this way. You can't keep treating your brother like that and stealing all of his toys and pushing him around. You can't do that. And guess what? He looked at me in that moment and he said, I already know that. (laughs) Talk about a sanctifying moment. I already know that, and then he went on to tell me how much he knows about that. And, and he knew that he can't hit his brother, that he can't push his brother, that he can't steal his toys, that he can't lie when he's done that and run up the stairs first and tell us that his brother was actually being mean to him. He, he, he spelled it out better than I could. But guess what? He didn't know it. He, he had no sense of that reality in his heart. He knew the facts of the issue, that he shouldn't do this but he had no inner reality of it for himself whatsoever. I pray that's not us this morning. I pray that uh, we're not here this morning and can spout off the facts about God's love with no inner reality, no inner sense of it for ourselves. It's a little heart check right now. At the beginning of this message, knowing isn't the same as believing. Do you believe? Do you believe the love that God has for you this morning? Not just do you know some facts, do you really believe it in your heart? And if the answer to that is yes, yes, does it rule the activities of every single day in your life? Is it the place where you abide? Is it the place where you live? Is it the place that you love to be? That's the question this morning. Let's look at the verse one more time. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Listen, the love of God must be properly known. It must be properly known. It must be personally believed, but it also must be abided in, enjoyed, every single day. It's got to be known. It's got to be believed. It's got to be abided in every single day. You can know something without believing it, but listen, you can't believe something without knowing something about it first. Right? You can't believe something you don't know about. And so we've got to know some things about God's love here today. And so we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to dig into this topic of God's amazing love for us. And we're going to see really four truths about God's love this morning that I pray that the Lord will really use in our lives to just refresh in us, just to hit the reset button on how great and awesome and amazing His love is for us. Because to be honest, in a lot of ways, The biblical teaching of God's love is under attack today. It's under attack in our world, definitely, but it's under attack in the church, isn't it? How often do we hear today? God loves everyone, he he loves you just as you are, so just go on and keep sinning wicked sinners because God loves wicked sinners and he wants you to be happy and keep sinning and stuff. Do we hear that today? I hear that, not here, praise the Lord, Uh, but I hear that often, I read that in books, and hey, whatever you want to do, that's fine, because God loves you. That's not the truth of God's love, okay? That's not the truth of God's love. The truth of God's love is that we don't deserve his love. We can't wrap our minds fully around his love, but his love is is so relentless in our lives that it will pursue us and it will make us holy in Jesus Christ. Bit by bit, maybe not as fast as we want, but it will. That day's coming and I'm looking forward to it because I got a long way to go. But listen, that's where we're going this morning. And let's pray as we get into this text that God would really reveal that to our hearts and refresh that in our hearts again this morning. God is love. God is love. We need to know his love. We need to believe his love. We need to live in his love. A guy named Paul Tripp, who's a counselor and a speaker and an author, he said it this way. He said, you have one place of hope, security, and rest. It's found in these words. God is love. That's our rest. That's our hope. That's our security. Let's go there. Why do we run from it? Let's run to God's love instead of away from it. So four aspects of God's love. Here we go. We're going to go through them fairly quickly this morning. The first thing that we need to know about God's love is this. God's amazing love for us is always undeserved. It's always undeserved. Hopefully we get that. Hopefully we understand that. But I think that we really should even allow ourselves to be a little bit stretched on that. In a way, we can begin to think that if we live a good Christian life that, you know, to a certain degree, maybe I do deserve this a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe God should love me a little bit more than that person who's acting like that over there. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah, I've been there before. Okay, but listen, God's love is always undeserved. Here it is. It's not based on anything that you or I could do, it's not based on anything that we have done. It's not based on anything that we will do in the future. It's not based on that. Listen, God's love is not based on your lovableness or my lovableness. Okay, now I'm not saying you're not lovable in some ways. I, I'm, I'm sure you are, okay? You all look great out there this morning. And so I'm sure on a, on a human level, you're, you're pretty lovable. But listen, God's love's not based on the fact that we're lovable. Listen, I praise the Lord for that. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that God doesn't base his love for me on me being lovable. Because, first, honestly, I'm, I'm really not. Um, and second, okay, let's say that even for a moment I was, but then wait, what if I lost that lovable quality? Would God then remove his love from me? Man, how thankful should we be that God's love is not based on the fact that we are lovable? Honestly, we're not. We're not maybe a little bit on a human level, but not on God's level. I say that because Romans 5 verse 8 says this. Romans 5 verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. That's an amazing verse. Look at that. Look at that for a second. God shows his love for us before we had done anything to deserve it, while we were still his enemies, while we were still rebels against him, waging war against him. And maybe you don't think it was that bad in your life. I'd I'd encourage you to continue to read in God's word. The more that you read in God's word, the more that you begin to see your sin and the depth of it. But even while we were in that place, Christ died for us. Listen, God loved us when we had offended him. God loved us when we had shunned him. God loved us when we had disdained and rejected him. And the more undeserving that we are of his love, the more amazing and deep his love for us is, isn't it? Wow, completely undeserved. But listen, God's love is not only undeserved, it's also totally uninvited. It's not un- just undeserved, it's also uninvited. Listen, God didn't respond uh, at some point in history to our call to be loved. We didn't just throw our hands up and say, God love me, and then all of a sudden God's like, oh, okay, I'll love you. (laughs) It didn't work that way at all, okay? The reason that I say that is is because we read in Ephesians 2, verses four and five, we read this. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, note that word, in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Isn't that amazing? That God, with the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, made us alive together with Christ. And so I'm sure that we've all or most of us have heard the illustration before that goes something like this. Um, Listen, you were drowning in an ocean of sin and uh, God threw you a life preserver and you grabbed a hold of it and you were saved. Um, Anyone heard something like that? Okay. Probably a little bit more elaborate, but um, something like that. Listen, that's, that's maybe helpful in some ways. And I think it's true in some ways, but it doesn't really hit the heart of Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five, does it? I think Ephesians two, four and five goes more like this. You and I, We were a dead corpse lying on the bottom of the ocean floor, covered with our sins. And Jesus Christ plunged through the depths, grabbed us and lifted us up to life. And he breathed into us the newness of life. And we are resurrected and we are saved because of the love of God that rescued us when we were dead. Man, that's the gospel. That is awesome. I love how Charles Spurgeon says it. He says it this way. He says that the only thing we contribute to our sin or to our salvation, let's get that right. The only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about faith? i had to have faith, didn't I? Yeah, but if you read in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, you'll read very quickly that that faith is actually a gift from God a gift that's given to us, for by grace you have been saved through faith, which is not of yourself, lest any man should boast. We have nothing to boast before God about. Why? Because he reached down to the bottom of the ocean, and he dragged us up when we were dead, and he breathed into us the new life of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Completely undeserved, totally uninvited. But God's love is also this. God's amazing love for us is completely unconditional. It's completely unconditional. Listen, this is where our hope is. We find our hope right here in this thought that God's not going to give up on us. That, that God's not, he's, we're not going to hit the bottom of God's love tank one day and just realize that we've bottomed out. His love won't give up on us. It's completely unconditional. We see that a little bit in the verse we looked at a minute ago, Romans 5 verse 8. We see that God loves us while we're still his enemies. And so if God loves us well, we're his enemies, obviously there's no condition for God to give us that love in the first place, right? Right? If if we're his enemies, we haven't done anything to be lovable and he gives us that love, there's no condition that we needed to meet in order to be loved by him. He loves us with an unconditional love. Listen, we know the depths of someone's love by the conditions that come with it and by the response to the conditions, don't we? If you're married here today, think about your wedding day. Think about when you're there standing with with your your bride or your groom, and you're standing there on that day, think about the vows that you gave. My vows, uh, they kind of went something like this. Uh, They had a a part in them that said, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer. Now imagine if uh, the person that you were marrying said, "Hey, hey, listen kind of like half of those vows, but not the other half. Um, So let's do it like this. Uh, For better, in health, and for richer, I take you to be my wedded spouse. I'm pretty sure at that moment, I would just walk away and be like, I'm not doing this, I'm out, okay? But listen, God loves us in our spiritual poverty. He loves us when we are not only sick in sin, but dead with sin. Wow, wow. That is awesome and amazing, unconditional love. I love how it's said in the book of Malachi, Malachi 3, verse six, it says this, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. God is unchanging. His love is unconditional God's love for us doesn't increase. We've got to get this. We've got to get this in our hearts. Because honestly, if we don't get this in our hearts, our walk with Christ is going to be a mess. God's love for us, God's love for you, does not increase when you're doing well. And it does not decrease when you're struggling. God's love is constant. God's love is perfect. And God's love is so powerful that it will change your life. Maybe not as quick as you want it to, but it will change your life and it will get you to that place where you meet him on the day of glory if you have faith in Jesus Christ. That is the love of our God. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, the second part of it says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I continued my faithfulness to you. Listen, God's love is everlasting. God's love is unstoppable. Romans 8.35 says this, Paul exclaims, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or the sword? No, right in that passage in Romans 8, we studied this a little while ago here in our church. And we noticed that in Romans 8, Paul lists 17 different things that cannot separate us from the love of Christ. He lists 16, and then at the end of the list, after he's like gone through everything, he's like, I I can't think of anything more to add to this list. He he adds this one little phrase after there's really nothing else to add. He says, or anything else in all of creation. Wow, wow. Hey, what's going to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing in all of creation. Nothing in all of creation. I love Romans 8, verse 37. It says, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God because it's not based on us. It's based on him. It's based on his faithfulness, his steadfast character, and the fact that he doesn't change but shows grace and mercy to his people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord so thankful for God's love that is so deep. It's so undeserved for me, but it's also so unconditional towards me. But then also this point number three, God's amazing love for us is infinitely unimaginable. God's amazing love for us is infinitely unimaginable. We're not going to get our heads around it. Okay. You're not going to fully grasp God's love for you. The beautiful thing here is that we can know God's love. We can know it. We can experience it. We can live in it. We can rejoice in it. We can be overwhelmed by it. But we can't get our heads around it. We're not going to fully understand it. Why? Because it's greater than we've ever imagined. It goes deeper than we've ever imagined. Psalm 103 verse 11 says this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Question. How high are the heavens above the earth? How high are the heavens above the earth? Okay, I guess we don't have a pilot in the room because the pilot would be like spouting out numbers right now for sure. Okay, but listen, that's a trick question because what part of the heavens is God even talking about in this verse? Okay, is he, is he talking about the clouds or is he talking about a distant galaxy? The point is the point is this, you can't calculate it. You can't get your mind around it. The minute that you think that you finally got it grasped, you're so far off it's not even funny. Why? Because God's love is incalculable. God's love is infinitely beyond anything that we can imagine. It even goes further in Psalm 103 in verse 17. It says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Hey, another question. How long, how long does it take to get from everlasting to everlasting? Probably a little while, right? Okay. (laughs) Think about that for a second. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that glorious? Isn't that amazing? The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. You can't get your head around it. Wow. Praise the Lord for his love that is so rich and so deep. Yet God's love can be known. It can be experienced. It can be enjoyed. Paul, in Ephesians, the greatest thing that he can pray for the church at Ephesus is this Ephesians 3 18 and 19. Paul prays that they would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Isn't, isn't that a verse that, that'll challenge your thinking a little bit? Okay, I love that verse because it starts rattling around my head and I can't, I, can't, I can't get to the bottom of it, okay? How am I gonna know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? How are you gonna know it? Well, what he's saying is you can know it intimately. You can know it with a fullness. You can know it in your life every single day. And though you can't exhaust it, though you can't get to the end of it, you can know it personally, You can rejoice in it, you can delight in it, it can fill your life, and it can change your eternal destiny. That is the love of our God. Praise the Lord. Oh, that we would know his love more deeply. Oh, that we would savor his love on such a deeper level. God's love is is greater than we can ever imagine. It's, It's beyond our imagination. It's beyond anything that we can think of, but also this. God's love is more costly than we can ever understand. It's more costly than we can ever understand. We really measure love in our society today in a lot of ways by what it costs someone, don't we? Okay, so any guys here um, do Valentine's Day presents? I'm not putting my hand up. Um, so husband fail this year on that one. Uh, okay, any, no guys, okay, I, I'm in good company. Any guys, was there, was there even one guy? Dave, way to go Dave, okay, great. Um, so. So we, we do this and we, we don't even necessarily love that we do it, but we, we measure someone's love by what it costs them. And so we, we measure a gift by what it cost a person to a certain degree. Uh, and if it's not by the, the money that was put into it, it's the amount of work that was put into it. And so my wife is amazing at making homemade gifts, and they're, they're amazing. Uh, I am not. Um, but, but there's love that goes into it. There's labor that goes into it. But we measure love on what it costs someone. Think for a moment. What did it cost God the Father to love us? What did it cost him? His son, his son, God the son. The cost of the love that God has for us is God the father giving God the son to die on a cross, to be disgraced, to be mocked, to be beaten, to be crucified, to have put on him sins that were not his own. He was holy, perfect in every single way. That's what it cost God cost him his son don't ever think that god's love is cheap don't ever disregard it god's love is deeper than you and i can ever imagine earlier in this chapter in john in first john in chapter 4 he says this in this the love of god was made manifest among us that god sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him in this is love not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Oh, that we would know more of the depth of God's love, His love that saves us, His love that transforms us, His love that was willing to give His Son to die on the cross for us. What amazing love. Stuart Townsend, the musician, wrote this about God's love. He said, how deep the father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life I know that it is finished. The Father's love for you was put on bold display when his son Jesus was nailed to a cross. Think about that for a moment. That's what it took for God to love you with a redeeming love. That's what it took for God to love me and save me from my sin. Now, that's love. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It's not a fluke that when Jesus Christ died on the cross that his arms were spread wide open. When he died there with the nails in his hands, it's not a coincidence that his arms were open, calling every sinner to run to his love. It's a picture for us, church. It's a picture of the love of God the Father, of the love of Jesus Christ that was willing to risk everything so that we could be saved. How awesome is that? Oh, that we would not take that lightly. Oh, that we would not shun God's love. Oh, that we would not mock his son and turn away from his son and turn away from his sacrifice. Oh, that we would rejoice in God's love every single day. Oh, that it would be the thing that fuels our mission and fuels our lives for the glory of God and for the glory of Jesus Christ and for the good of the church and the world. God's love is absolutely awesome. It's unimaginable. We can't get to the bottom of it Run to his love today. Embrace it today. Rejoice in it today. I love what it says in Romans 8, verse 32. Romans 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Listen, that's a promise. That's a promise that you go back to every single day. That's a promise that when you're struggling, you you write that thing everywhere you can. You circle that in your Bible. You highlight that and you call out to the Lord. Lord, this is your promise. You, God, who did not spare your own son, you're gonna make me your own. You're gonna save me. You're gonna redeem me. God, you're gonna give me all things with Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, I'm banking on that today. I need you today, Lord. That is a promise that's worth more than a pile of gold from here to the the furthest star. That's awesome. That is an awesome truth from God's word. What amazing love the father has for us. What amazing love the son has for us in that he willingly died to save us. Wow. Praise the Lord. But listen, that's not all. That's not all that we are gonna say this morning about God's love because there's one other aspect of God's love that has really been left out of this message up until now. Point number four. God's amazing love for us is absolutely unrelenting. God's amazing love for us is absolutely unrelenting. He loves you. He loves you. He will pursue you. He will go after you. He will seek you out and he will bring you back. And so if you're here this morning and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but honestly, you're wandering a little bit right now, listen, God's love's pursuing you this morning. This message is for you this morning. This this message of God's love is is God calling you back to himself, saying, come to me again, rejoice in me again, delight in me again, and let my love fuel your life today. I love the picture that we're given in Luke 15. Luke 15, Jesus told a story. He had uh, some tax collectors there, and he had some Pharisees there, and he told a story uh, for the benefit of both of them, I believe. And he said, He asked them, he said, would a shepherd, would a shepherd not leave his flock to go after one sheep that was lost? I'm paraphrasing. Okay. Would a shepherd not leave the flock to go searching after one sheep while it's lost? And when he goes and he finds that sheep, will he not rejoice? Will he not bring that sheep back with him? And will he not throw a party that the one sheep that was lost was found? Listen, God's love is a pursuing love. And we, we like to think about that, about God's love pursuing us, don't we? We like to think about that. I like to think about that. I, that's a good thing to think about. So let's honestly think about that for a second. Let's think about how that sheep got away from the herd, how he got away from the flock. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, in many, many, many ways, I am a sheep, okay? Okay? Not, definitely not as, like, furry as one, okay? Um, but, but I'm a sheep. I don't just wander off by accident because I got lost a little bit. I wander off willingly. Anyone else like that? How did that sheep get away from the herd? Hey, you guys are over here, I'm going over here. I don't care what happens, I'm doing it. If we're honest, we've all got a little bit of sheep in us, don't we? Yeah, and we wander away willingly from God at times. But listen, God in his unrelenting pursuing love comes after us. Now just imagine, anybody here a sheep farmer? A couple, good, okay. We had some sheep farmers just across the street from our house when I was a kid. And whenever their sheep would get out, uh, you don't call sheep. You don't like, hey sheep, come on. Um, You don't call them like that. You need to physically go and get them, okay? They are stubborn. And so this sheep wanders away, wanders away from the flock, and we're like that. Well, guess what happens? Jesus Christ has to go and physically bring us back. Now, I can tell you this. When I've seen sheep being brought back from my neighbor's uh, sheep pen, they get a rope around them and they drag them, and guess what that thing is doing all the way? It's digging its feet in the mud, and it's going, ba 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 it doesn't want to go back. They're stubborn. We're like that. I'm like that. But God in his love is relentless in his pursuit of us. He will pursue us. He will go after us. He will bring us back. Listen, I am so thankful for the love of the good shepherd in my life who's brought me back sometimes, sometimes when I wasn't even willing to go at first. And his love has brought me back, sometimes through difficult circumstances. Sometimes through things that have come into my life that have drawn me back to him. But let me tell you this, this morning. God's love is not the warm, fuzzy puppy love that we hear so much about today. God's ultimate goal for your life, God's ultimate goal for my life, is not our temporal happiness here in this lifetime. God's ultimate goal for our lives is our eternal holiness in Jesus Christ, church. That's what it is. And if we're not willingly going to go there, he in his grace and in his love will bring things into our lives that will draw us back to him. Listen, the Bible teaches this. We read this truth in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. We see it so clearly right there in this verse. Listen. Listen to this incredible insight that God's word gives us into his love. For the Lord disciplines The one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. God loves us. He loves us enough to pursue us. And when we run the other way, he loves us enough to go after us. And when we dig our heels in, he loves us enough to bring us back. And he'll do that by whatever means necessary. And so maybe there's been hard things that have come into your life this year. Maybe you've been far away, wandering from the Lord, and maybe hard things have come into your life this year. Maybe God's allowed those hard things to come into your life so that you will come back to him today, and so that you will run back to his love, embrace his love. God is not as concerned about our temporal comforts as he is about our eternal holiness in Jesus Christ and the salvation of our souls. He's far more concerned about that. Why? Because he's a good shepherd and he knows what is good for the sheep. He knows what's good for each one of us. God's love will discipline us. Listen, if if one of my sons were to run out into traffic in the middle of the road, if they were to run out into traffic, I would dive to knock them out of the way. I would dive to knock them out of the way. I would tackle them to the ground to get them out of the way of that car that's gonna kill them. And listen, if in the process, They got a few bumps, they got a few bruises, or maybe even a broken arm. Yes, I would grieve that they were cut up and that their arm was maybe broken. But listen, I would rejoice like never before because my son was saved. Any good parent would do that. God is a good, good father. He knows exactly what we need so that we can live by his grace. He knows exactly what we need to be rescued and he's faithful to bring it about. I thank the Lord for that in my life. I can tell you about a time in my life when I was 18, 19 years old and I was running from the Lord with everything that I have and God in his loving pursuit nailed me down to the ground. He brought me to a place where I was laying on a couch downstairs and my mom walked down that day. And said, Brett, what are you doing with your life? And I said, I don't know what I said. I didn't really say anything. I kind of just laughed. My heart was that hard towards the Lord. And she said, Brett, you need to really consider that. You need to think about that. And maybe you should go to Bible college. Now, at that point, I really, really laughed, okay? I was the guy that they they would kick out of Bible college if, if I just showed up, or I thought, And about a week later, about a week later, the Lord gripped my life, and I realized there needed to be a massive change in my life, and it needed to happen immediately. And I went to Bible college and was like, I don't know why I'm going. I'm just going to be honest. I mostly went to get away from my bad friends, okay? That's why I went. I was like, it's far away, and I just went to get away from my bad friends. But listen, God met me there at my lowest. He met me there, and he showed me the grace of his son. He showed me the love of his son, and he got a hold of my life. Now, I wish, church, I wish I could tell you that that was the last time that I wandered from the Lord, but it's not. It's not. God, in his loving pursuit, every single time went after me, grabbed a hold of me, and brought me back, even when I dug my heels in. And I am so, so, so thankful for that today. I thank God for his unrelenting love that will not give up on me. God's love is amazing towards us, it's always undeserved. It's completely unconditional, it's totally unimaginable, and it's absolutely unrelenting. Listen, if you've come to know and believe the love that God has for you, let me ask you one more question this morning. If you know it, if you believe it, let me ask you this question. Are you abiding in his love right now? Is it your dwelling place Is it your happy place where you rejoice? Is it the place that you run to when everything else is in chaos all around you? Do you run into the loving arms of your Savior and say, thank you, Lord, right here. This is where my peace, this is where my hope, this is where my security is. It's in your love, God. It's not in the chaos of what's happening around me. It's not in my bank account. It's not in my family. It's not in my group of friends. It's not in the stuff I have. It's not in other people because they're gonna let me down. But it's in you, God. It's in your love. That's where I rest. Are you doing that today? Are you resting there today? I want you to notice the end of our verse, 1 John 4:16. Let's head back there at the end of this message. Notice the end of this verse. Right in the middle, that awesome statement. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Is God's love your dwelling place today? That's what it means to abide. To abide means make that your residence, stay in that place, don't move whatsoever, stay there, enjoy it, delight in it, rejoice in it with everything that you have. If you abide in love, you abide in God, And if you abide in God, God abides in you. What an awesome truth that is for us this morning. Listen, God's love, God's amazing love for us must be properly known. It must be personally believed and continually abided in. You can't just know it in your head. You've got to know it in your heart. And when you know it in your heart, you'll have a sense of it in your life. And when you have a sense of it in your life, it will motivate your mission to live for Jesus Christ. There will no longer be this list of, well, I really should do that. I really should, you know, maybe try to tell someone about Jesus at some point because someone told me I should do that. It won't be like that. It will be this well of love flowing out of you that says, Jesus, I'm all in. I just, I want to live for you, not trying to pay you back because I can't. I don't deserve it. But God, I want to live for your glory because you've been so good to me. Listen, church, if we get this, if we grab a hold of the amazing love that God has for us, it will radically transform every single aspect of our lives. It will. I'm not joking. I'm not overstating that. The love of God is the center of the gospel. Take out the love of God. There is no gospel. Man, I love the gospel. It is the focal point. It is the center. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And listen, if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, he's he's standing today with arms wide open. The picture of the cross, his arms are wide open. Run to his love today. Run to his love today. If you're here today and you've been running hard away from God, you're a believer, but man, you've been going the other direction. Run to his love today. Run to his love. If you're here today and you're just delighted to be loved by God and to have that in your life, and just rejoice in it today. Rejoice in his love today. And when you leave here today, remember his love when you go home. And and when you wake up tomorrow morning, remember his love then. Rejoice in it then. And, And when you're on your way to work, just let God's love be renewed in your heart again every single day. For whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. What an awesome truth. I pray that as we leave here today, we can all say that we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Let me end with this. The one who is love, the one who is love, sent his son of love to be a sacrifice of love so that you and I could be rescued by his love and rest in his love forever. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, I want to just invite you right now, even before the worship team comes up, I want to invite you after we sing at the end, I want to invite you to come up and talk to one of our leaders today. If you want to know more about the love of God, come up and talk to one of our leaders. We'll have several leaders at the front. Just come up at the end freely. If you're here today and you've been running hard from the love of the Lord, come up after the service and be prayed for today. You can start on that path fresh again today. Why? Because God's love is always undeserved. God's love is completely unconditional. God's love is totally unimaginable, and it's absolutely unrelenting. Praise the Lord for his love. Let's pray. God, what else do we have to say other than thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your love that you have given to us so freely, so richly, so undeservedly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son into this world. Thank you, Jesus, for going obediently to the cross for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for dwelling within us and sealing us until the day of glory. Thank you, Spirit, for bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, that we are loved by you, and that your love won't run out on us. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.